Well, it's a new year, new opportunities, new potential, and uh, I'm excited. I hope you are as well. Uh, we took a break for missions and then really for a Christmas series over the last five or six weeks. And, uh, but today, we're going to be back into 1 Corinthians. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, we're really taking uh, our time through 1 Corinthians. We're, what we're doing is called expository preaching, where we're going line by line, uh, asking the Lord to help us to understand His Word. We're honoring God's Word, and really, it's a way for us to learn how to study God's Word. And uh, there's a high value for a church to be able to walk through a passage in this way. Um, in 2014, one of our board members, uh, John Taylor, uh, we were doing some uh, review and some, uh, some just evaluation. And, and he said, you know, 2014, as we've been studying 1 Corinthians, it has been a year of spiritual growth. And I, I, I believe that. I've seen that in you. As we've been tracking through these verses, asking God to reveal himself, uh, we are growing as a church. And uh, I want you to encourage you. Uh, we took six weeks off, and, uh, but before we left off, we landed in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where we really slowed down, didn't we? On the major theme in 1 Corinthians, and really in the New Testament, and that theme is on love. 1 Corinthians is the love chapter. And when we looked at it, we understand that love is what the Corinthians needed most. It wasn't more spiritual power or more ability or more faith. They needed love. For the Corinthians to grow in the Lord, and by the way, I would say for us to continue to grow in the Lord, they needed to grow in love, and we need to continue to grow in love. It's not more preaching that we needed or service opportunities or even to use our gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, which are important. It's love. I want to remind you what 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says, that whatever or whoever does not love does not know God. Now, at the beginning of the year, it's, uh, it's a natural time to kind of evaluate, to, to measure progress, maybe make some goals or New Year's resolutions, things like that. And I want to challenge you that if you are going to measure your progress as a believer, to evaluate, or if you're going to create some New Year's resolutions and say, okay, I want to grow in maturity or in depth uh, in the Lord, it doesn't matter if you've served the Lord 20 years or two years or two months, if you want to measure that, you can measure it against this chapter. Really, verses 4 through 7, which is a checklist. And we understand that as we look at that, and we're going to read it in a second, that that description of love is really is what matters. In fact, we've said that it, there's no Christianity without love. There's no church without love. There's no ministry without, without love. It's so important that the New Testament keeps hammering this truth all the way throughout Scripture, in places like Colossians 3.14, which says put on love. In 1 Corinthians 14.1, says follow after love. First, or Philippians 1.9 says abound in love. Hebrews 13.1 says to continue in love. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 says to increase in love. 1 Peter 4.8, which was just a be fervent in love right? Philippians 2.2, be consistent in love. Hebrews 10.24, provoke each other to love. 2 Corinthians 8.8 says, be sincere in love, and on and on it goes throughout Scripture. And I encourage you to write those verses down. And when you look at those, you say, wow, 
The Bible says that love is supreme. Love is so important. And so as we track through the first part of 1 Corinthians 13, I want to do a little review, and then we're going to dive in and finish up 1 Corinthians chapter 13 today. So as we look at this, we've seen some keys. We've said this, number one, that love is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. Instead, love is a spirit of self-sacrifice, right? Willing to serve in obedience to God. And love is to be so evident for Christ followers, for believers, that Jesus said that by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you what? If you love one another. And last time when we were in 1 Corinthians, we wrapped up those 15 descriptions, which really is the perfection of love, the picture of, of Christ. There were three takeaways, and I want to remind us of these. Number one, that love was a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not if we get around to it. It's not if it's convenient or if someone loves us in return. It's a command in Scripture. The second one is that love was the result of the Spirit's work within us. Because when we look at the description of love, we say, there's no way that I could do this. There's no way I could love in this manner. And the truth is, we cannot do it on our own. It's the Holy Spirit at work within us. Aren't you thankful that the Holy Spirit doesn't give us an idea and then just let us off on, on his own? He walks with us. He's the one that empowers us to love. And then the third thing, and this is great, that love takes practice, doesn't it? And so we got to practice it. we got to put it into action. we got to take some risk. we got to be vulnerable. We've got we've to put ourselves out there. We've got to love in a greater way than what we have in the past. And God, he helps us in that. Now, one other thing in review, 1 Corinthians, it's found in the middle of a discussion on spiritual gifts, if you remember. Uh, really, t- chapter 12, 13, and 14 are the spiritual gifts chapters, and then the love chapters right in the middle of that, and we've talked about that, that the Corinthians, they had the spiritual gifts in action, but they lacked love, right? And so it nullified those gifts. It didn't matter the tongues or the prophecy or the miracles or the knowledge or the faith or their giving or even if they gave their lives without love, we saw as we studied the first parts of this chapter that they were a zero in God's eyes. And Paul's saying, look, there is a more excellent way. And that's where we come to 1 Corinthians 13. And as we read this, and we're going to read it in its entirety, uh, 1 through 13 here in a second, I want you to know that Paul is not saying that gifts are not important, okay? And Paul is not saying that the gifts should not be emphasized. Some people look at chapter 13 and they say, well, spiritual gifts are not for today. And we'll talk about that and kind of see where that, that idea emerges. This thought that, that particular thought, I don't believe, is scriptural. I don't think it's founded in scripture. Nowhere in scripture does it say that the gifts have ceased. And we're going to kind of study that. But Paul is bringing a proper perspective to the Corinthian leaders and for us, which echoes 1 Peter 4, 8, that above all, love each other deeply. All right, and so this is where we are, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And if you're there, I want you to stand to honor God's word. This is like the stand-up sit-down service, all right? <laughs> but let's, let's look at this. And actually, I'm going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. It says this, But eagerly desire the greater gifts, 
And now I show you a most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gifts of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now I'm going to pause here for a second. When it says love never fails, now we're going to bridge from the description of love, now to what commentators have called the endurance of love or the duration of love or the permanence of love. And the imagery here is like a flower in decay that, that when it says love never fails, it's saying that love is never defeated. La love never decays. Love is never brought to the ground. Love uh, never comes to an end. It never becomes invalid. It keeps going and going and going like the Energizer Bunny, right? And Paul is showing here, and what we're going to see here, is that as great as the spiritual gifts are, which were in the context of spiritual gifts overall, they will cease at some point, and we'll talk about when. But love will continue forever. And so what 8 through 13 becomes is really a commentary on this thought that love never fails. And so let's look at it. Love never fails, verse 8. But where there is prophecies, they will cease. Where there is tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I responded like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, let's say it together, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Lord, your word is so powerful. There's so much truth here. God, I pray that in the next few moments, God, that we will get a picture of, of love in a way that we've never seen in regards to spiritual gifts. And Lord, I pray that you would challenge us to be able to receive fully, but then also to expect, God, what you want for us here and now in regards to spiritual gifts. Lord, we thank you for this truth. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everyone said amen. You can be seated, I promise, for the last time. The next time you stand, you can leave, all right? <laughs> all right, praise God. Well, in these few verses here, in 8 through 13, we see five comparisons that show the superiority of love. And we're going to look at those uh, in a quick fashion. The first one is in, in verse 8. Let's look what it says. It says, love never fails, right? And then it says, but where there's prophecies, they will cease. Where there's tongues, they will be stilled. And where there's knowledge, they will pass away. 
What Paul does here is he picks three of the gifts to make his point. The first point is prophecy, which is arguably Paul's favorite. In 1 Corinthians 14.1, he says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritually gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. And uh, the reason that is is because there's a preference there because of the edification to the community of believers. And then the second two, two and three, are really the favorites of the Corinthian church tongues and knowledge. And when we say knowledge, we're not talking about general knowledge. We're talking about from 12.8, the utterance of knowledge, the supernatural. Uh, In 13.2, the understanding which is revealed, the mysteries of God only revealed by the Holy Spirit, right? And so let's look at those for a second. The first one is prophecy. He says that where prophecy exists, it will cease. What is prophecy? That can be tricky for some of us to get our minds around. A lot of times we, we look at prophecy and we say, okay, the, the prophetic is at work in the church when someone maybe stands up in a service, kind of shares something. In 1 Corinthians 14, 3, it says that it brings comfort and strength to the body. Uh, what, what Eva, uh, kind of what we experienced with Eva this morning was uh, somewhat of the prophetic, it's just an encouragement uh, in that way. And, uh, but I want to suggest that perhaps the greatest or even the most common uh, use of prophecy is right in the pulpit and from the preacher. Uh, Tim Enlow, a few years back when he was with us, some of you were here with us, uh, really helped me understand this, um, the idea that it's through preaching that the prophetic is is seen and utilized. Uh, Nate Ellerton, a a pastor over in Temperance, Michigan, uh, in the Assemblies of God, uh, he was telling me a story. He said uh, someone came to him uh, not too long ago and said, man, I wish there was more of the prophetic in our church. And he lovingly shared to this guy that week in and week out, the prophetic is at work through the preaching of the word. You say, well, what does that look like? Well, when the word is preached, and it's energized by the Holy Spirit, right? It's not me or anyone else that might be preaching. The supernatural is at work. The Lord speaks through the preacher to the heart of the people. Have you ever been in a situation where, where you're you know, hearing the word of God and something, the light bulb goes on or something moves you? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the prophetic at work for you. And by the way, if that's true, I would say don't miss a Sunday, Right? I'm just saying. All right, okay, it's, it's the first of the year. And, uh, but let me also say that not all preaching is prophetic, right? There are moments, there are glimpses. And what 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says is that prophecy is temporary, right? That it will cease, all right? And, uh, and that's, I forgot to mention, but the gifts are temporary. Love is forever is the first comparison. And then when it comes to tongues, the same idea that when someone is prompted by the Holy Spirit to speak in a language that they don't know, with an interpretation corporately or their prayer language, where it's a heavenly language where you're praying the God's perfect will, the Bible says here in this verse that tongues will cease. Now, when does that happen? We'll look at that in a little bit. Same thing with knowledge. The spiritual insight from heaven, only known by the Holy Spirit, the supernatural. These gifts will cease. They will stop at some moment in history. I want you to note uh, some, I believe that these three gifts that are, that are mentioned here are really a representative, representative of all the gifts. That you could put wisdom, uh, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, distinguishing between spirits, 
all of these gifts are temporary. Only love will last forever. Okay? Now, the second one is in verse 9. Uh, the second distinction or the comparison is that what we see here in verse 9, well, let's look at what it says. It says, For we know in part and we prophesy in part. And what we see here is this idea that the gifts, that spiritual gifts, are partial, but love is complete. The idea here is that knowledge and prophecy, um, though as great as they are, they are partial truths, or they are partial uh, of the big picture. Does anybody know it all? No. Can I preach every detail on every text? And some of you are saying, well, we, I think we have in 1 Corinthians, right? But no, that's not possible. It's bits and pieces from heaven. The spiritual gifts are only partial. And it, it can relate to prophecy or healing or faith or wisdom. All are partial revelations. When you hear the, the prophetic, it doesn't give you the whole picture, right? Almost never. When you're healed, it doesn't mean you're you know, healed. There could be a part of your body that's healed, but you could still struggle somewhere else. With faith, maybe there's a faith to, to stand in one area, but maybe you still struggle in another. Or wisdom, all wisdom. When you get the wisdom of God, it doesn't mean you have all wisdom. It's partial. But in heaven, what we're going to see in verse 12, when we're face to face with our Heavenly Father, someday we will know. Every question will be answered. Not one question will be unturned. We will know fully, like we're going to see. The gifts now, the spiritual gifts are incomplete, but love is complete. 1 John 2, 5 says that God's love is complete. Isn't that awesome? Look at verse 10. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. And what we see here is that spiritual gifts are imperfect, but love is perfect. What does this mean? And this is a very interesting. This has been an interesting week to, to kind of reestablish, kind of studying in 1 Corinthians and um, to look at some of this. When it talks about perfection, there are lots of thoughts around this idea. And, uh, and you can really dig deep. And I would encourage you, if you want to go deeper, look at some of these in full. Um, but some people would say when the Bible was complete, when the scripture or the canon was closed, um, that no more spiritual gifts were needed. Some, some people would say that. But I would say if that's true, then there would be no need for faith here today or wisdom or miracles or discernment. Or for that matter, if you broadened it to apostles or prophets or teachers or other spiritual gifts that are at work. And I would ask anyone that would kind of say, yeah, when the Bible was complete, that the spiritual gifts ended, I would say, I would ask the question, show me in Scripture where that says that specifically, and I don't believe that it does. The second idea is that when perfection comes means that when the church is mature, all right? And uh, I would just say there's no perfect church until heaven, right? <laughs> and that's kind of where we're getting. Uh, the third idea is that it could be when the rapture happens, right? And I've thought this for a long time, that when the rapture happens, at that point, the spiritual gifts will end. But what about the people in the tribulation, those that, that are left behind, right? There will be preaching, there will be miracles, there will be faith that is needed. The spiritual gifts, I believe, will still be active uh, here on earth. So what does it mean when the perfection comes? That word in the Greek is uh, teleon. What does that mean? I believe that only in heaven 
is uh, the perfect. When, either by death or by the rapture or when the end comes, when eternity starts, right? The overall context here is that the gifts, the spiritual gifts, are for a time. There will be a time when no longer the, the gifts are needed. And that will be in eternity when we see God face to face. And so when it says when perfection comes, I believe it's talking about the eternal state in heaven. You tracking with me so far? All right. The fourth one, look at verse 11. This is interesting. It kind of ties the two together, uh, verses 10 and 11 a little bit. It says this, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. What is this talking about? The idea here is that the gifts, the spiritual gifts, are elementary, but love is mature. And now it's not saying that the spiritual gifts are immature. Instead, I want you to think of it like this, that the spiritual gifts are for a stage of life. Kind of like our kids growing up. When our kids are first born, they, they drink milk, maybe eat a little baby food, they're in diapers, they don't talk, right? And in that stage, most people think that's cute and cuddly and adorable, right? But how many know at five years old, they better be eating more than just milk and baby food, and hopefully they're out of diapers, and hopefully they can communicate a little bit, right? Certainly by adolescence, right? For that stage of life. Well, spiritual gifts are kind of like this. They're appropriate for this time and this place. And by the way, I would submit that we absolutely need the spiritual gifts. We need them. But we will never, in fact, we'll never not need miracles and healing and prophecy, right? But when we're in heaven, spiritual gifts at that point will be unfitting. They won't make sense. In heaven, we'll see love in its perfection, fully mature. Does that make sense? And then the fifth one is that gifts are a reflection and love is a, is a reality. Look at verse 12, right? So it says, Now we see but a poor reflection in the mirror. Then we'll see face to face. Now we know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Now, I don't know about you, I love this verse. I talk about this verse a whole lot. When there are things that I don't understand, there are, when there are things that are complex or hard to, to swallow, tough questions, um, I look to this verse to say, look, now we look through a dim mirror. We cannot see things fully on this side of eternity. And that brings me a lot of comfort, that, but someday we'll know fully, right? Um, the idea here, is, as Fee says, one of the commentaries I love, he says that the poor reflection in the mirror in our culture, in our circumstances, is really best compared to the difference between seeing a, a photograph and seeing somebody in person. The idea, or the point is, is as good as a picture might be, it's simply not the real thing. But someday, church, the promise is that we will see God face to face. It's incredible, isn't it? I was thinking about this. Like, you know, when I was dating my, my wife, Jessica, she lived in Kalamazoo. I lived in Detroit. And we'd talk on the phone, and we'd send letters uh, two or three times a week handwritten notes. We've got them in boxes. It's pretty awesome. When she moved to Florida, we did the same thing. We just continued. And I would talk to her. But I'll tell you, 
when I got to see her face to face, it was different, isn't it, Bobby? <laughs> and by the way, I forgot to mention, but Bobby's girlfriend here is from, from Connecticut. This is Kyle. Everyone say hello to Kyle. All right, yep, I, I should have said something earlier. Um, but that, the, the truth is, is when you see someone face to face, it's different. It's better. <laughs> it's a ton better. And spiritual gifts are kind of like this. We get a taste on this side of eternity. But in heaven, the picture isn't needed. If someone's right here with you, you don't need a picture, right? And we're going to talk about heaven in, its, uh, in some capacity in chapter 15. We'll get there um, this year still, I promise. <laughs> um, but then, and so we see these comparisons. And then Paul comes to verse 13 which is a very uh, well-known, uh, well-known verse, right? Now, these three remain, verse 13. And, uh, and he uses uh, three different things, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. That's what it says. Um, but what's interesting about this, to me, is that within this argument about spiritual gifts and about love, now he pulls in faith and hope and there's some controversy of why or some really some confusion there's some problem in commentary like why would paul do this and there's a lot of things you can read about it and then try to get uh, understanding to me what seems most logical is that in the early church there was a triad in the preaching a well-known they put faith hope and love often together and so the early listeners the first the corinthian leaders they would have said oh yeah faith hope and love it's you know just automatic that those three go together the faith of the salvation the hope of the future coming of the lord and love we need to love one another together these embrace the whole of the christian experience and uh, arguably they're the three greatest virtues um, you know in our faith and so paul emphasizes that love really what he's boiling it down in this context he's saying love is not like the other gifts it's not it's for now yes but it's also forever love never comes to an end it never grows old love lasts forever when we see that when we read that and we understand that my response is, oh, hallelujah, thank the Lord for his never-ending love. Now, this morning, it's the first Sunday of the year, and we've got a new start, a new journey, a new opportunity, and I want you to know that it starts with love, and we need to embrace the love of Jesus. And this morning, if you're not a Christ follower, if you've not experienced the love of Jesus or you're away from the Lord and you're, you're saying, man, uh, I'm not sure if I were to die today or this week that I would even go to heaven. The love of Jesus is available for you. It's, it's big enough to forgive every single sin, everything you've done. It doesn't matter what it is. God's love is amazing. And God wants to pour out his love into your life. And in just a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to embrace that, to, to understand that fully, and to be able to walk in the truth of that, and we call that salvation, receiving Christ. And uh, there's no reason, if you've not accepted Jesus, that on the first Sunday of the year, that you would have to walk out of here without knowing Jesus. You can know for sure that you have Jesus in your heart. That's the first thing. 
But as I've been sitting with this, this text in particular on spiritual gifts and this idea of love, and yeah, the love is so incredible, and we need to let that just wash over us. And in fact, even some of the songs we sang this morning were very fitting for that. Uh, but I want to talk about the spiritual gifts for a moment because we're going to head into uh, some more discussion on spiritual gifts in the next couple weeks in chapter 14. Um, I want you to know that we believe, I believe deeply, that the gifts, the spiritual gifts, are for today. They're for today. They should be the normal expression found within the body of Christ. They should be exercised, they should be used, and really even expected that the Holy Spirit would be working with spiritual gifts week in and week out. And not only here corporately, but in our lives as we're you know, down the street, at school, at work, in our neighborhood, in our families. The Holy Spirit desires to be utilizing us as His vehicles. He wants to share words of knowledge and wisdom and discernment. He wants to uh, provide uh, faith and provision. He wants to provide... Uh, uh, you know, all of the spiritual gifts, you know, f- from faith to, uh, to miracles to the prophetic, all of those things are still available and should be expected in our lives. And so my heart for us this morning, as we kind of come to a close here, is that we would, as a congregation and as believers individually, be open to what the Holy Spirit would want to do in and through us. Now, I understand when I say that, there can be some walls that go up, like there's a fear of the unknown. Like, what does that look like, right? Well, I want to say this, that the Holy Spirit, He's a complete gentleman. He will never do anything uh, that is going to, uh, to hurt your reputation long term. <laughs> okay? He may cause you to do something that will get you out of your comfort zone, but it's for your good. And he loves you very much. And so we can trust the Holy Spirit and the work, the, the Spirit, and we can trust the gifts that if we're prompted in a way to, to move in a certain way or to say something or to do something or to, to listen, we can trust what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. And so it's not freaky. It's not scary. It's something that God wants to do in each and every one of us. And we want to be open to that. And so I'm going to give you a, a reading assignment um, this year, or for this uh, week, I should say, that before next Sunday, and we, brought, we did this at the beginning of this chapter, uh, but when we got to chapter 12, we said read chapters 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians. And I know a bunch of you did that earlier uh, last year, kind of in the fall. But I'm going to ask that you do that again to read. And when you read... Before you read the scripture, I want you just to ask the Holy Spirit, God, use me, open my understanding, open my uh, expectancy uh, to be able to be used in these areas and to read chapters 12, 13, and 14 in one sitting or read it throughout the week. But by next week that we'll have an understanding in context what the Lord, what the Holy Spirit is wanting to share. And we're going to jump into 14 next week. All right? So everybody up for the challenge? All right, I hope so. Write it down. Don't forget it. So I want you everyone to stand here for a moment. And uh, this, I promise, is the last time. And you're not going to have to sit down again. 
But as you stand, I want you to consider your own life. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, again, I don't know everybody here. I don't want to uh, not give an opportunity. But uh, if you're here today and you need Jesus in your heart, if you are a, a sinner, which the Bible says we're all sinners, but you have not accepted Christ's forgiving nature that he takes away our sins, this morning I want to give you that opportunity with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus this morning. Would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you. And we've got some resources we want to give you to help you to grow this year. Anyone at all, this service, saying, yep, this today I want to draw a line in the sand. I want to accept Jesus as my personal Savior. Anybody at all? Okay, yeah, a couple young ladies. Hallelujah. I want to pray uh, a simple prayer. Call it a miracle prayer if you want. And I want everyone to pray after me to encourage these couple young ladies. Um, let's, let's do this together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, please come into my life and forgive me of my sin. I believe that you lived on this earth and that you died for me. You took my sin so I can live. And so now I ask that you would make my heart clean. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Isn't that awesome God, that God can do that just in an instant, just like that? He can clear all of our past. We're new in Christ. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. The second thing is, I want, us, I want to pray a prayer as we leave today that we would be open to the Holy Spirit's work. And as we read Scripture this week and as we look for opportunities to be used with the spiritual gifts, um, we're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to walk out some of the things that God's going to call us to do. How many uh, agree? And so I'm going to pray a prayer benediction over you. And then when I say amen... Uh, you can be dismissed and uh, know that the altars are open and we'll, we'll spend some time in prayer here if anyone wants to, uh, to be anointed with oil and those types of things. But I want to pray a prayer and just imagine that the Holy Spirit is just you know, touching you, uh, your head, you're putting his hands on your shoulder or he's lifting you up in this moment, giving you the ability to be utilized in the spiritual gifts. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the power of your word, Lord, that goes before us and behind us and all around us, and it helps us to know you fully. Lord, it helps us to understand you and to be able to communicate your love and your, uh, your plan in a fallen world. God, I pray for each person here, Lord, that you would put your hand upon us, and God, that you would just strengthen us in your word and in your spirit. And Lord, help us to understand more fully the idea of these spiritual gifts. And over these next few weeks, God, as we look at spiritual gifts 
uh, in a greater way. God, I pray that you would challenge us to be able to be obedient, to walk in your ways. God, that you would use us in our schools, that you would use us in our workplaces, that you would use us in our family situation, in our, in our homes. God, I pray that we would be most effective. Lord, and Lord, I pray that in this context, Lord, that we would understand the love that is needed with these gifts. And God, that love would be supreme. Love would be the motivator. Love would be what is what is seen. And Lord, it's not us, but it's your love at work within us. God, I pray these things for your glory, for your honor. And now, Lord, as we go, Lord, bless each one. In Jesus' wonderful name, we pray it. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. We love you. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. If you need prayer for anything, come and we'll pray. Um, Otherwise, have a wonderful week and we'll see you Wednesday night at Plugged In. Okay?